Welcome and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. James chapter 3, picking up in verse 1. says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great is a force set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, standing the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. For the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts... Do not boast and be false in the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but it's earthly, it's unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. James chapter three. Now there was a motto I heard growing up that directly contradicts what I just read to you. And it's the motto, let me see if you've kind of heard it as well and were taught it as well growing up and it's this, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words never hurt me. me. That is what's called a lie. So I don't know who said that first, but they were lying to themselves. And what I'm imagining what happened was this. Somebody went to school, somebody went to work, somebody interacted with some friends, and all of a sudden someone said something to that person, and all of a sudden that thing hurt them. And so they came up with a motto to kind of fight against what they were feeling, right? Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Like like that's that's probably what happened at first. And then it got transferred throughout the ages as parents said that to kids. Because the reality of it is, sticks and stones do break your bones, but words can cut through the heart. Words can go deeper into you and can hurt. Words are wildly, wildly powerful. They have the power to both build up, but also destroy. 
And so we see that from the beginning of our Bible, Genesis chapter one, God, when he creates, what does he do? He speaks and creation happens. That when God speaks, there's an overflowing of abundance and life and joy and a potential. And when he speaks, love comes forth and life comes forth. And so we are not God. We do not create realities around us. We don't name it and claim it. That's not how it works. That's not the power we've been given. But what we do is not create reality, but we frame reality in what we say, both to ourselves and that little inner voice in our head, but also what we share with other people, we are constantly framing reality for better or for worse. And so words are wildly powerful. They have the power to build up. A couple of weeks ago, my wife gave me the most specific compliment. It was so encouraging. I was kind of walking on air for the next hour or so, so much so that I pulled her aside and said, hey, babe, just thank you for that. That was so encouraged me, encouragement, uh, encouraging to me. That spoke to some insecurities in me. Thank you for that. And she goes, you're welcome. I was testing something out on you. <laughs> and I was like, okay, do tell. And she goes, well, I'm reading a book about how to give compliments to children. <laughs> and since Judah's two, I couldn't really test it out on him, and so I'm testing it out on you. And what it says is to give very specific compliments and encouragement about how your action is actually impacting other people around you. And so I heard her and I was like, I'll take it, yeah. yeah. Words have the ability to build up, but we also know that words have the ability to tear down. So for the rest of the day, say that you get 10 different comments coming at you and nine of those are wildly encouraging, wildly specific, wildly helpful for you, but then you get one that's critical. What do you go to bed tonight thinking about? It's not the nine, it's the one. Because that one hurts, it cuts deep. And so many of us, whether it was a day or a week this last month, you, so many of us go to bed just having our minds on replay because somebody said something, or maybe you said something that you wish you hadn't said. These little bitty words have this great power amongst us. And some of that's true for a day or a week or a month, but for a lot of us, we were told something at a young age that buried deep within us. And that began to shape our reality around us. That maybe decades later, you still think a certain way. You still act a certain way because of some teacher, some coach, some parent spoke something to you. And that went deep inside of you. And what's been growing in you for years has been a lie. And so sticks and stones can break your bones. But words can either build up or break down. And so we're in James chapter 3. And we've been moving through this series, right? And James, if you remember, is written to a group of believers and James is calling them to act like believers. He's calling them to live single-minded, steadfast and undefiled lives. And if you've been reading the book of James with us week after week, you've probably noticed that James is kind of hitting the same ideas over and over. In fact, James will hit the idea of how you use your words in every single chapter in the book of James. That in chapter one, he talks to us about how be, that we need to be slow to speak. Chapter two is that, uh, that we speak as those judged by the law of liberty. Chapter three, where we're in today, that we are to speak in wisdom to build up. 
Chapter four, that we are not to speak evil against one another. And chapter five, to speak truthfully and sincerely that James really wants you to use your words well because he knows that words have this immense power in them to build up or to break down. And so this morning, we're gonna be looking at how do you use your words? How do you go from a tamed tongue to a wise tongue? So we're looking at words and we're looking at wisdom this morning. And the hope is not that we would leave here saying nicer things, but rather that something in us would begin to change so that what comes out of us as we speak, both to ourselves and others, is something that gives life and blessing and encouragement. And so that's what we're gonna be looking at this morning. So let's look at our words. James is gonna begin by saying this. He says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, my sisters, for you know that we who teach will be judged with a greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. And so James right here begins by singling out me <laughs> and Jeff and Kyle. He's, he's singling out teachers. Now, why do that? Because when you teach, you are using the most powerful instrument that you have, which is your tongue. And so God takes it really seriously for those that have a platform like this of what they're going to teach and what they're going to say. Because the reality of it is, what was said from platforms has this immense potential to guide and to direct the thoughts of a lot of people. Which is why in Matthew 23, Jesus comes down really hard on those that claim to be teachers of God, but aren't leading people in the ways of God aren't leading people in the things of God, which is why for me, for years, over a decade at this point, I've prayed, God, never give me a platform my heart's not ready for. And I've seen it in my life at times, I feel like I'm kind of sidelined for a season and God begins to show some stuff in me that he goes, hey, I wanna work on that in you before you get in front of people again. What happens here is immensely impactful to what happens to the course of our body. And yet the truth is, James is talking specifically about teachers, but he's really talking to all of us, especially in our day and age today. Because in our day and age today, all of us have platforms. All of us have uh, people that follow us and listen to us in, in ways that we can shape reality about those around us. And so all of us need to be careful with how we use our words. And so what James does next is he's gonna give us the reality of the power of your words, the power of the tongue that you have. And so what he's gonna do is he's gonna showcase these seven different illustrations. And for most of us, when we look at a passage that just has a lot of things over and over, it looks like this. Just a lot of words in your Bible, maybe small print so you can have a small Bible and you just gotta see it like this overwhelming reality. But as you read your Bible, the way that the biblical art authors kind of brought attention to certain things was predominantly two ways. One was repetition. They would say the same thing over and over and over again. Sometimes it was the same word or the same idea or the same meaning. But the other way was structure, the structure about how things are situated. And so James here is actually doing both of those. That if you read this this week, what you saw was seven different illustrations that James is doing. Seven is the number of completion or wholeness, which is always a trigger for you to go, hey, I think there's something more going on here. 
But then James also is gonna use structure here. And he's doing something called a chiasm. Now a chiasm is something where the first set of ideas and the last set of ideas are identical. And what's happening in chiasms is everything's leading towards this one central point, this one central idea. And so typically a chiasm has the first idea and the last idea being identical. The second idea and the second and the last idea being identical. The third, the fourth, and so forth and so on. And all it's driving towards one climactic, chiastic point. And so James is thinking about that and he's using that to explain the power of the tongue. And the way that he does it is he grow, uh, uh, pulls together the first set of ideas which are identical and the last set of ideas that are identical. And he's gonna show us two realities that are all driving towards one, one point. And so we're gonna look at this. We're gonna look at the first set of ideas, then the second set of ideas, but that's not his main idea. It's driving towards a central idea that we need to hear this morning. And so the first set of idea is this, that something small can impact something big. Something small can impact something big. And so he starts with horses, because why not? <laughs> says, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. This giant, strong horse is guided and directed by what? By a small little bit in its mouth. Then he goes to ships. He says, hey, look at the ships also that though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. And so yes, a, 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 a horse is this mighty beast that's guided by a small bit, but then the, a ship is something that's being largely driven by wind, something that you can't control. And yet what you do control is this small little rudder. And in the midst of the storms of this life that might blow you into a season which you have the wind at your back and you see, think everything's just kind of lining up perfectly or you're running against the wind. He says, it doesn't matter because you have this little rudder that can guide you and direct you in where you need to go. Then he says, how great of a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and setting on fire by hell. Those are strong words. And so what James is doing here is this. He's trying to get into our minds that this little bitty small thing that we all have can guide and direct our lives. It can bring blessing. It can overcome obstacles as we're pushed against the winds of this world, but also it can burn our world upside down. A small word can have a huge impact. And so stop for a second, because we know this. I want you to think of a moment, maybe this past week or this past month in which you went to bed or you woke up in the middle of the night stressed out or frustrated or angry because of one word that someone said to you. Or maybe it was one word you said to someone else. We have these things in these moments, these little bitty small words, but again, so many of us have had words spoken to us at a young age and that has only grown over time. For me, I had a speech impediment until I was in middle school. I couldn't say half of the alphabet. And so I remember one of my earliest memories, I was in third or fourth grade and my teacher put me in the hallway, not because I was getting in trouble, but because, and I quote, 
She wanted to focus in on the other kids. And that compounded with what coaches have said to me for different reasons, what bosses have said to me for different reasons, has begun to reinforce this lie that I still battle at times, which is that I'm only worth something if I'm perfect. I only matter if I get it right. And I know so many of us have that in our story. It's why for me, Regen was so helpful because it unravels a lot of that. It goes back and helps you think through these moments in your life in which things may have been spoken to you and you begin to recognize, wait, 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 that's not true. That's not from God. And so a small word can bring life, but it can also destroy. It can strengthen a relationship or can end one. It can lift someone's spirits or it can tear them down. A small word can guide and direct or it can destroy. And we all have the power to do both. And we've all done both. And so I just wanna speak to a couple of groups of people this week in this moment. The first one is bosses or teachers or people in the position of authority. Your words have more weight than you realize. And you, with a few small words, can breathe life into your employees or those that follow you. Or a quick email that's sharp and direct and critical can make them want to start looking at other jobs. You parents in here, right now your kids, no matter what age they are, their view of God and themselves are being formed and shaped and you have less control than you think but you have more influence than you realize and how you speak to them, how you encourage them. I don't know what it's been but the last few weeks it feels like every time I'm out and about I just hear parents sharply critiquing their kids for something that's so small. And I just begin to pray for that kid because I don't know what else to do in that moment. And so many of us as parents, man, we're just quick to kind of have our anger from our day and then just take it out on our kids. You are forming their view of God for better or worse. For you spouses in here, you know your spouse better than anyone. That is a gift of God, which means that you can speak through their insecurities and their fears and their pride and all this junk that you know that they live with on a daily basis. You can speak through that and hit them in their heart in a way that nobody else can. And you can also twist the knife because you know where they're vulnerable. And some of us come in here week after week and we praise God with our lips and then we go home and we yell at our wife. And we're short with our kids and nobody wants to work for you. And we got ground to take. We got a lot of ground to take. Community groups, man, I love what Jeff says sometimes. He goes, hey, whenever I'm feeling discouraged, I have to believe that other people are feeling discouraged as well. And so instead of waiting for someone else to kind of take the initiative, what if it was you? As you start feeling this way, that you're the one who speaks encouragement and life and blessing, that you resolve that conflict, that you own your part in it. Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat of its fruit. You have immense power for good or for ill to bring life or to destroy it. 
And we wanna be a group of people that leave a wake of blessing behind us in all that we do. And so the first ideas is that something small can impact something big. The last set of ideas is that what comes out is actually a reflection on what is within. And so the passage continues by saying this, does a, in verse 11, does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can salt pond uh, yield fresh water. And so right here, he's just stating reality that what comes out of something is actually just what it is. It's what's within it. And what James is doing, as we've seen throughout the series of James, is he's just constantly quoting Jesus. That Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, 48, uh, 43, he says, for no good tree bears bad fruit. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. What comes out is what is within. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For watch this, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so what comes out of you is a reflection on what's in you. For me, oftentimes it's negativity. Um, I, have a, I have a high inner critic. Um, and so that's just kind of on autopilot all day. Sometimes I don't even realize it. It's just kind of there. And so whenever I come home on a typically good day, which most of my days are typically good, and my wife asked me, hey, how was your day? I've had this inner critic kind of turning in me all day. And it's not typically directed at others. It's typically directed at me. And so I come home, she goes, how was your day? And on a typical good day, I don't go good. <laughs> I don't go, it was great. Man, I, I, don't, I don't focus in on the positive. I don't go, man, I love my coworkers. I love what I get to do here. Man, this person gave me this email that was so encouraging and so specific. And I just, I don't typically do that. What I typically do is when she says, hey, how was your day? I go, I mean, fine. I mean, I got this one email from someone who's not all that pleased with me, doesn't like alliteration apparently. And so, um, you know, that happened. And then, you know, I said this one thing in that meeting and I don't know if I should have said it or I should have said it, you know, four months ago. Um, and I just kind of roll through the tape of the day through the lens of negativity. And so what am I doing? I'm shaping reality. I have this filter in my mind so often that is pushing forward a negativity towards me, but then also it comes out in a negativity towards others. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so, so many of us, once again, we don't create reality, but we frame it. We frame reality in how we think and how we speak. And so for this week, I didn't wanna just be a hearer of the word, I wanted to be a doer of the word. And chapter three is really convicting. Like dozens of times a day, I was like, ooh, okay. Come on, James. Um, but here's what I did. I began to realize that in those moments, I have to make an intentional spirit-led choice of how I'm gonna live out what reality I actually believe I'm living in. And so here's a couple of things that I did this week just to not be a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. I started my daily recap with the positives of the day, which was hard at times, but man, it was good. 
And what was so good is after listing off dozens of things that were amazing about the day, all of a sudden those two little small things didn't feel as big and didn't occupy my time as much. I stopped myself when I was about to jokingly speak poorly about someone behind their back. It was actually funny. I was about to share a story and then I literally stopped myself and I go, sorry, babe, James told me I shouldn't say this story. (laughs) I started meetings by just celebrating people and what I saw God doing in their life. I sent out texts to friends with specific encouragements. I wrote to our pregnancy partners. I'm just in the midst of everything going on in Roe versus Wade. I just wanted them to know that someone's praying for them and there's such support from the Christian community in this world and more than that, support from a God who's over this world and just thank them for the service they're doing. I reached out to several pastors in Uvalde and just reached out and just goes, hey, I, I go, do not feel like you need to respond to this. I just want you to know that you have a brother in Christ in Texas that is praying for you right now. And some of them responded back just thanking me because they go, that's what we need, we need prayer. And so thank you for the verses you sent us, thank you for the prayer. All of that was an intentional, spirit-led choice. And I hope you leave this week with the level of conviction I have, because the level of conviction just showed me this, we have endless opportunities every single day to live out this verse, endless opportunities. Every time you open your mouth, it's an opportunity to build up, to bless, to speak life and encouragement and love. And so what would it look like? What would it look like This week, you're in that meeting and you begin by celebrating the people that report to you. What would it look like that if you've been short with your kids, maybe even this morning, that you would go back and you would own it with them and you would share how much you love them and how much you care for them. Or when they give you that report card and it's A, B, B, C, you wouldn't just beat them over the head because of the C, but you would celebrate how God's gifted and wired them with the A's and the B's. What would it look like to send out a text, an email, an encouragement to someone who you know right now needs it? This is the most inexpensive way to radically change someone's life. Speak to them life. Speak to them gratitude, encouragement, honesty. Sticks and stones can break your bones, but words have the power to build up or destroy. And so what we're seeing here is these two major ideas. Something small can impact something big. What comes out is a reflection of what is within, but that's not his main idea. All of this is driving us towards something, and it's the very middle. And so something small can impact something big. What James is gonna say is, look, there's a problem here. Every kind of beast of bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But here's the problem. Something small can impact something big, but the problem is no human being can tame the tongue. 
It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And so James has just been explaining to us, hey, this little thing that we all have, this small thing has the power within it to guide, to direct, to build up or destroy. And here's the problem. Left unchecked, no human being can tame the tongue. We will always destroy. We will always speak lies to ourselves and believe those lies. And we'll always speak lies to other people. That's the natural human reality, but it doesn't end there. There's another problem. What comes out is a reflection of what is within. And so James goes on and he drives this point home. He says, with it, with our tongues, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. For from the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, my sisters, these things ought not to be so. And so what James is getting at is this, something small can impact something big and what comes out is a reflection of what is within. But the central idea is that nobody can tame the tongue. That if you look at your last week, your last month, your last hour, what has come out of all of us is something that is blessing and cursing. And so here's reality throughout the entire book of James, none of this is about moral perfection. It's about a mirror reality before us that as we look at this, we have so much room to grow and yet this ideal becomes an invitation to us because Jesus has done the work for us. That what we need is not a new tongue, what we need is a new heart. We need something to change within us so that what comes out of us is blessing life, it's encouragement. It's something that builds one another up. And the only way that's possible is for the very God who spoke blessing and life into existence would send his very word to us. Which is why John says the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. We are in desperate need of the word of God to come into our world and to tame the restless beast within us so that what comes out of us is him. It's love, it's life. This message is not about trying harder. Please never hear that because what will happen if you go out here and just try to tame your tongue, we were just told you can't. So what will happen for many of us is we will bottle it in our hearts and it will become bitterness, anger, insecurity, pride, you name it. And then we've all seen it happen, you explode on something weird. And everyone was like, what just happened? Sorry, mom, I just spilled my juice, you know? <laughs> but that's what happens. Because if you try to tame your tongue, you still have a wild animal inside of your heart. And we need someone to tame that animal. We need a new heart. We need something to come from above. And it just so happens that's where James goes next. The next verse talks about wisdom. Says, who is wise and understanding among you? 
By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. James is gonna call us to wisdom having just told us that we can't do it. Then he's gonna contrast the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. He says in verses 14 through 16, he talks about the wisdom of the world. He says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. These are not two equal paths. This is not plan A and plan B. These are two opposite realities. One is from God, one is demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. This is the wisdom of the world. And all you have to do is look around and see it. And all you have to do is look at your own heart and see it as well. It says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And so I want you to look at this. You have these equal opposite realities that the wisdom of the world is jealous and selfish, it's boastful, it's false to the truth, it's earthly, it's unspiritual, it's demonic, and all that leads us to a, is to a life of disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom of God is pure, it's peaceable. It's not boastful, it's gentle. It's not false to the truth, just shutting people down the moment they hear something that they don't like, it's open to reason. It's not earthly or unspiritual or demonic. It's full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Let me tell you, it doesn't lead to disorder or every vile practice. It's a harvest of righteousness sown in peace. I gotta tell you, the more I started to put my words and yield them to God this week, I gotta tell you, it just started to be fun. The more I did it, the more I wanted to do it because I saw what it began to do in me and I saw what it began to do in others. And so I can't wait for later today to keep using my words to be pure and peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial and sincere. A harvest of righteousness is sown because of this. And there's words I've spoken this week that don't match this list. They look a lot more like this one. I wanna ask you, as you look at your week, if somebody were to follow you and just record everything you just said, this day, this week, this month, where are you on the list? Because James just told us that for many of us, we're just simply on both. We have moments in which we sound like this, but then we quickly, the same mouth that blesses our Lord is the same mouth that curses our brothers and sisters. And so how do we grow with our words and how we use them? How do we grow in speaking in a way that brings life and abundance and blessing? How do we grow in having our words being pure and peaceful, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits and partial and sincere? Because I have to imagine all of us want this last bit. We all want a harvest of righteousness that's sown in peace. How do we do that? Well, James tells us it comes from above. It comes from above. That the wisdom we need is not something we can generate within our hearts. We need a new heart. We need our tongue to be tamed like a wild animal. And so our only hope is when the word of God became flesh. 
and he begins to live in us and through us. And he begins to guide us and direct us and to bring life and abundance. And when we speak that little spark that we know can engulf an entire relationship, we are quick to seek forgiveness, to own our part, because we're being guided by wisdom that's from above. And that's what Jesus has done for us. The word of God has become flesh, and he alone can tame the wildly powerful and wildly destructive words that we speak. And so this past week, I've been reading Eugene Peterson's book, Long Obedience in the Same Direction, and it has this wonderful prayer in it that just connects everything that we've been talking about. And I just wanna use it as a prayer for us. He says, deliver me from the liars, God. Rescue me from the lies of advertisers who claim to know what I need and what I desire, from the lies of entertainers who promise a cheap way to joy, from the lies of politicians who pretend to instruct me in power and morality. Rescue me from the person who tells me of life and omits Christ, who is wise in the ways of the world and ignores the movement of the spirit. They talk about the world without telling us that God made it. They tell us about our bodies without telling us that they are temples of the Holy Spirit. They instruct us in love without telling us about the God who loves us and gave himself for us. City Bridge, what do your words look like? You have immense power in every arena that you're in to use your words to build up, to bless or destroy. And the only way that we have a chance to be a group of people, a community of Christ followers that use our words to build up is that we have to yield ourselves to the word made flesh the wisdom of God that has come from above to live within us and to work within us and to move out into this world and to speak life and joy and blessing. We got some work to do. And it begins by a yielding of our lives to Jesus alone. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at citybridgecc. See you next time.